gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. What's happening everybody? My name's Ross McLeod and welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Now, as you know on this show, we're all about opinions, you know, we like to let people express themselves, so today's show is all opinion based. So before you jump on our Twitter at Suplex Retweets to tell us we're massive VLs because we go to Rang, <laughs> before you write a scathing review on our Facebook fan community to tell us how wrong we were to pick your favourite, or before you go on at Suplex Retweet on Instagram to tell us we are just massive marks. Just remember, this is all opinion based. And if you'd like to join the conversation, you can catch us at all those links. Please keep viewing our website and please join our brand new spanking Patreon service launching November 1st. There'll be a review of Crown Jewel there. There'll be watch-alongs, retro reviews, weekly updates on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, the lot. So try keeping open mind. We're a bit opinion based here. <laughs> Calm down, everybody. I can see us. Careful now. Careful now. Down with this sort of thing. So, our opinion-based show today is our worst world champions and worst world championship reigns in history. We're not just talking WWE. We are talking promotions across the globe. We're asking what makes a bad world champion. Is it bad booking? Is it the wrestler themselves? Is it too much too soon? Or is it just a case of that person should have been kept so far away? So, before we discuss that, let's meet the panel. First off, joining, rejoining as a full-time member, it's Chris Murray. <laughs> oh my goodness, thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, I did text Stacey going, I need an intro for Chris Murray, and she went, I don't know. <laughs> the first line of my notes for this show is, what are they going to insult me with? I, I don't know. Because every podcast I'm listening to, it's like, it's all, there's some sort of insult. We like to break you. Yes. <laughs> Gently. And then I'm, second week, all hell goes loose. Mm. Chris is like, backstreet, he's back. Proudly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll need to like, do something that the show this weekend, like, shit myself. <laughs> Moving swiftly on to that, we, far away from you. When, we're, when we're talking about worst world champions, we have two of the worst suplex retweet champions of all time. First off, we have the record-breaking seven-time champion, proving less is more. It's Scott McLeod. Well, thank you. At least also we said worst world to worst ESSR champion, Stephen isn't on this week. And up next, a man who has the cheek to have a go at Jinder Mahal, when really all he does is bring down ratings with his horrendous, uncharismatic promos. It's David Hockney. Uh, my promos are very charismatic and positive as well. And I'm just really disappointed that Andy Mitchell's not here today because he insulted me on Twitter. Because I... you insulted him first! <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you're saying it like it was unprovoked. You started it! <laughs> Sorry. I no, no, no. It's, and as you just heard him there, it's the master baker himself. After the debating chamber, he's about to release his new line of gender jams. It's Quackerachi. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Sorry, uh, as an advocate for Mitchell, I feel like I had to defend him. Well, that's quite alright. I just don't want you to shout at me, but that's all we'll move swiftly on. I put all sellotapes away. <laughs> I'm not going to defend So, why don't we just jump right into it, guys? This is. I've asked not to see your picks. I want to be surprised. I want to go off script here. So, first off, we're going to go to Dave, and Dave. It's been a long two years on this show. Oh, here You've we had go. to defend him. You've given me a live mic for this as well, you've, so I'm ready to rip. You've been compared to him. You've been called 
the Maha Ranger, the Botcher Ranger. Dave, tell us all to great surprise. Who's your worst world champion? Um, take a wild guess, but you know, you think you summed up perfectly in your intro. It's a combination of various things. Bad booking, simply wasn't ready, and he, most importantly, he should have been kept a million miles away from it because it just wasn't right in any any sense of the word. Jinder Mahal, worst world champion that WWE's ever produced. I know you don't like Jinder Mahal. <laughs> I mean, two, two years he's kept it quiet. I think it was a car carrying Jinder Mahal fan club member. But... <laughs> I mean, honestly, where do you start with how bad this actually turned out? And I'm... If any of us have listened to our last uh, anniversary show, like I was forced to argue that he was actually a good champion. I did that all with a straight face. This time, I'm going like, no restrictions, I'm not holding back on this. Jinder Mahal, at the time, he was, at best, runner-up in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. He didn't win, okay? And even before that, he was jobbing on Raw to the likes of Finn Balor, said winner Mojo Rawley, and various other superstars. He was in a lost tag team with Rusev, like it was going absolutely nowhere. And then all of a sudden, as soon as he's drafted to SmackDown post-WrestleMania, he out of nowhere, like an RKO, wins the six-pack challenge and becomes the number one contender to Randy Orton in SmackDown's, the SmackDown exclusive Backlash pay-per-view. I mean, I get the trend that the land of opportunity for SmackDown is like, you know, they want to build new stars, but Jinder just was not in a position to be that guy. Can I ask you a question, though? I mean, that six-pack challenge had people like Rowan and Ty Dillinger. They weren't exactly they weren't exactly up there. Could some, Sami some, Zayn was yeah, in but, that. You know, yeah, we, but, but that's the thing. So, someone could argue he might not have won many matches, but in one match he beat five people. Um, one thing I will say is Luke Harper as well. He was also in that match. Former Intercontinental and SmackDown Tag Team Champion. At least he had a couple of titles under his wing. You know, and you never know, because Randy Orton had just feuded with Bray Wyatt. Why not get a Wyatt family follower in there? Get Luke Harper in there. That, that would have been solid booking at the very least. But instead, you have this jobber, yes, this jobber who has literally come out of nowhere to as some sort of legitimate threat to 13-time world champion Randy Orton. Like, nobody was buying it. Like, not in the slightest. So, on the back of that... <laughs> Chris, welcome back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on Jinder Mahal as a world champion? It's interesting because I tried to compare it. I tried to basically find some sort of positive because, as we know, like most people do, kind of really hate that title mm. run. Like, there's not loads of people that are like, "Oh, I absolutely loved it." The thing that I always come back to is like, well, it's not a million miles away from Bret Hart. Allow me to explain. So the idea was, back in the 90s, they were like, oh, we're going to put the belt on Bret Hart because we have to expand into Canada. And then it was, oh, well, we're going to put the belt on Jinder because we have to try and expand into India, Mm. which worked in theory. But then I found out recently that they actually made no real inroads in India off the back of this. I I can come in. Without rehashing the debate in Chamber, David, can I ask you one question? Mm -hmm. Because I'll be honest, right? My true feeling is that yes, he wasn't, we wasn't ready or whatever. However, I do feel the stick that he gets is very unwarranted. And I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you, because people say that there's a slump in WWE ratings and it stems back <coughs> from that time, which is the most ridiculous thing to say. No, see, the, the, the argument I will say to that is like... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, sorry. Okay, can I ask you one question? 
right now, does Drew McIntyre deserve the Universal Championship or WWE Championship? Absolutely. Okay, so what was the difference? What is the difference in that? Well, Drew McIntyre had a positive win-loss record. He's been champion multiple times before. Can I can I step in here just? Like some of the points you made, and by, bear in mind, like full disclosure, I am on your side here. I think Jinder's a terrible, but when it comes to things like this, you talk about had titles under his belt, and you talked about mm. Luke Harper. Brock Lesnar had no titles under his belt, and Brock Lesnar might have had a positive win-loss record, but he did have quite a few okay. disqualification losses. Like I think his first ten matches, he lost like eight of them. Well, okay, fair enough. But in counter to that, one thing I will say is that. The way I like to see wrestlers move towards the world's title picture is through character development and growth. But Jinder kind of just sort of came out of nowhere a bit. Like, no, 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 I mean, oh, okay, so what about the NXT Championship Tournament? Where did he come in on that? Uh, he was in the final. Oh, was he? And yeah, but like, what? That's so out of nowhere. But bear in mind that was in 2012, so this was before he was released the first time. And when he came back, you know, he was sort of starting relatively afresh. I think. Sorry, but um, I'm going to stop your arguing here. Just yeah, to honestly, put a wee point across. I could go on all night for this, by the way, but obviously I'm. I'm going to put a wee point across, and then I'm going to go to Scott because he's been quite quiet on this one so far. So I think Jinder Mahal would have benefited. See. If he'd stayed in NXT, because we saw how Cesaro got to be, you know, character. I'm not saying he's Cesaro in any way, straight, shape, or form, but maybe he just wasn't ready to to go back to the main roster. But he did have the stereotypical look and you know the attitude of it. So maybe that is the thought process going on. I'm going to go to Scott. Uh, well, two things. One. Uh, Dave, anybody who was in that room when we did that debate knows that you said I did that with a straight face is a bold face lie. <laughs> <laughs> we saw you squirming about in your chair when you were really like, oh, don't pay me that side. When we all know that's what you're going to do. Scott, you're ruining the kayfabe here. <laughs> oh, shush. <laughs> but secondly, the whole, oh, but Jinder came out of nowhere. Like, WWE wrestling in general, not just like WWE has previous to this. 1983, December, Hulk Hogan comes back. From the AWA, he has to start fresh. One month later, he's WWF champion. Brock Lesnar, after like six or so months, less than six months, he's champion. Kazuchi Okada comes back to New Japan a month after it's scourging, he's the IWGP heavyweight champion. Like, it's all about the person, who they, I think it's about who they develop. Mm-hmm. I think, as well, much as yeah, his matches weren't the best, I think from the offset, the thing with gender was, I think people were against him, whether he could have always grown out of the road, because as Ross said, he had this there. He had the look of what Vince mm-hmm. sees in a champion. He had a different promo in mind when he like, was going to cut after he won the six pack and said in an interview. Actually, then Vince gave me this different promo and basically started the whole "you people hate me because of how I look." So he got given that and he ran with it as much as it's been heard before. I think it's all about how you develop in that role when you're thrust into this main event. And another thing I look fondly back on is that Jinder Mahal was the last, and when I say this, I mean this properly, he was the last proper heel champion in WWE. He really was. Mm-hmm. No, you can give me that face, David, but, okay, so you're going to probably say Brock Lesnar. How many times do people chant, my name is Paul Heyman, yeah. Suplex City. Mm-hmm. A heel should not have anything chanted back at them. Did, did they chant I, a lot back at Jinder Mahal, though? Like, because there wasn't really no, no, much that's, 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 that's why he's a heel. Well, one thing I will say, though, because it does sound like we're now having a bit of a, a yeah. debating chamber, we're going back to that in a, a, a less screamy fashion. More um, Yeah, but 
something I would say is, as much as you know, we say he could have grown into the role, I think a lot of the fault has to be put on the WWE for the <clears> fact that it was out of nowhere. And you know, if they were going to make inroads, could they not have had him win the Battle Royal, but then after the Battle Royal, yeah, exactly. attack, so you know, winning the Andrew the Giant so Battle Royal would have helped <laughs> a bit. Sorry, um, but I think. I think they got the gender thing, you know, backwards. You know, when you look at the prestige of the titles, it's WWE US 24-7 and he's won them in reverse order <laughs> to, like, keep them relevant. And I, I get all that, but if my well issue is, is that I just don't think people even gave that a chance. I, I, I agree with that to an extent, but I think the fact that he wasn't ready, I think, in ring-wise, the fact that, you know, the match is dragging down pay-per-views, I think that kind of hurt them. Like, Plus, they, they kept the Randy Orton feud going on too long. Sorry, like Scott. you said, like, oh, certain people should be kept well away. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things we can say about gender and about some other guys. You, you say, oh, it should be kept away. Like, it's one of the things people bring all the time. You come into this company and you said, oh, I do want to make a bit more money and be in main events. Like, you'd be in it if you said, no, I don't want to do that, because some right. people online won't like that. It's really inconsistent booking as well. I mean, who... Defeats Randy Orton three times in a row at separate pay-per-views. Who defeats Shinsuke Nakamura, arguably one of the best in the world, twice in a row, but then loses to AJ Styles, who is just as good, if not better, than both those guys. It just, it just really, it was really inconsistent, really sloppy, and it just wasn't buying into anybody. Like, see that Punjabi prison match at Battleground. Honestly, I, 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 I nearly fell asleep at that. Well, the only thing I'd add is maybe the fact that like. We do have gender to thank for a WWE Championship change in the UK. Yes. And also, you have to kind of say it like, gender did bring a, I have to watch what's going to happen next week element to the belt, which just doesn't happen that often. Like, Brock, in a sense, doesn't have a, I have to watch this Mm -hmm. every week. Like, it's very, very difficult for a champion to do that. Isn't it funny that Gender Battle's reign has higher ratings than currently right now? I think, see the whole ratings thing, I, I don't pay much heed to that for the simple but fact. that's the argument no, no, that's there was, there was a dip for a bit and I don't think there was any impact in the Indian market. As we said, there was meant to be two shows that ended up going back to one and he was removed from the WWE title match. But in the age of YouTube and other streaming sites, ratings are always going to fall. Scott, quickly before well, like, we move I, I don't on. Want to make it seem overly like I'm trying to be a gender apologist or anything mm. like that, but like, I think with gender... Uh, we, we talked about the Shinsuke thing. I'm kind of think Shinsuke probably shouldn't have been in that position to begin with the SummerSlam Hell Cell mm-hmm. because he came up from NXT. He'd only been up for mm-hmm. a few months. He had a really a crap match with Dolph. It's not as what it should have been. Mm-hmm. He was in my bank. He was okay in a multi match. A crap match with Baron Corbin at Battleground. So for some people on the, who watch mainly main roster, to them Shinsuke's came out of nowhere and then randomly beat John Cena and is on a pay per view. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to use that for him, if Shinsuke had won, we'd probably make some people would be arguing, well, Shinsuke yeah. came out of nowhere because not everybody watches NXT or outside. I think you can't put the, the Shinsuke thing, I don't think you can put uh, Jinder's feet. I think that's much like we're seeing now with Seth Rollins and The Fiend. Mm-hmm. WWE booked themselves into a corner. They had to find the way out and the way out was, we have an Indian tour coming up. We're going to go with the guy we persisted with. We can always have the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. But 
So that's Dave's choice, Jinder Mahal. I think that was a good wee discussion. We, like yeah, I was prepared for another one in case you tried to stop me. But no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no I always knew it was going to be Jinder, so I thought, right, we'll, go, we'll do Dave first because if somebody else picks it, he'll implode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so from Dave's pick, we're going to move on to Scott. Scott, who have you got? Uh, I wanted to try and diversify this a bit, so I went outside of, of WWE and I've got taken a TNA pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, cast your minds back about 10 years to 2009 Sting is currently the world champion he's beaten Samoa Joe even though he probably shouldn't have but they were starting the whole main event mafia thing so you think eventually these big main events were monopolising the scene some plucky upstart is going to come in and take that belt off him and at lockdown 2009 a plucky upstart did come in barely 20 years in the business when Mick Foley (laughs) in 2009 won the TNA World Heavyweight Championship 10 years after he's been hit in the head 11 times with a chair by the rock when his body is properly knackered. This is three years before he would go back to WWE to try and get a match with Ambrose. And the doctor would say, we legally cannot ensure you to wrestle your body is in that bad of shape. So, so before you continue, this is why we said it's worst world champions and worst world championship reigns. Because we are we are mainly focusing on TNA Mick Foley here, we're not yeah. talking WWE. Oh, yeah. right. like, food mm. with the rock, Mick Foley. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Should have definitely been in that position. He was putting all the butts in the seats. <laughs> this Mick Foley should not have been holding a world championship in 2009 because he wins it for Sting. And the more I looked up this reign, the more I felt justified in this pick. Because then at Sacrifice, he has he's in a four-way ultimate sacrifice match with Jeff Jarrett, Kurt Angle and Sting, where technically the world title is not aligned because each man is putting something on the line. Where if Mick Foley is pinned, he loses the world championship to whoever pinned him. If Jeff Jarrett gets pinned, somebody whoever pins him gets control of TNA. If somebody pins Kurt Angle, they get control of the main event mafia. And if Sting gets pinned, he has to retire. And Sting won by pinning Kurt Angle. So Sting being an idiot, not pinning the guy who took his championship from him to get his belt back. No, he's more focused on getting the bloody main event mafia. And then at soccer, uh, sorry, Slammiversary, he loses in a King of the Mountain match, which in itself is a silly concept. <laughs> And then the following month, Victory Road, he's in the main event again, getting his rematch against Kurt Angle, who won that match. And then the following month, he's feuding over the Legends title with like 50-year-old Kevin Nash. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was not a productive time for TNA at this point. This is when they'd sort of moved from their, we're going to challenge WWE, we're going to be different, Ultimate X, tag team, you know, focusing on knockouts to... Who was good in WWE in the 90s? Mm. Yeah, when we talk about WWE focusing on the Attitude Era, Chris, <clears throat> this was a period <clears throat> basically everyone showed up in TNA for a bit. Yes. Now, I'm going to talk about this a bit later, but I was like a hardcore TNA fan. Mm-hmm. There was points where I would show people TNA pay-per-views and just be like, how can you like WWE look at this? Mm-hmm. There was a, a, I think it was when Kane was World Heavyweight Champ, um, I think TNA ran a lockdown around the same time mm-hmm. where I was just like this blows WWE out the water but mm-hmm. Mick Foley's title reign is just such a blemish yeah. on like a good run of mm. that company I like see when people ask me to show them stuff like see, see when you're talking about TNA and you want yeah. to show them stuff one of the first things I always show them is the fact that Billy Corgan re-recorded a brilliant Smashing Pumpkin song for the introduction to that pay-per-view <laughs> where he changed the lyrics to be like uh, I'm still just a rat in the six sides of Steel Cage and it's one of the most embarrassing things that ever happened like <laughs> that title range should go down as history in history is one of the worst things that's ever happened in wrestling it makes me so mad and as well as that I can't remember the exact details but isn't the end 
of the actual match where he wins it. Really naff as well. Doesn't Sting go to go over the top of the cage I, and then Foley just like crawls out and wins the belt. I don't even remember. Like I, I was too annoyed when I looked up the details. There. I was too annoyed to actually watch the match. Yeah, <laughs> but I do know. <coughs> it, it, yeah. It, do you know what? That was right up there in my list of picks. It just... It's such a shame that that happened. Like, <laughs> and the whole King of the Mountain match, when he loses it, he's not even involved in the finish. Kurt Angle, uh, Joe's climbing up with the belt. Kurt Angle's climbing up the other side. And they did this big review where Joe suddenly reveals a member of the main event mafia when he's maybe the type of guys that they're going up against. So Joe just hands the belt to Kurt Angle so Kurt Angle can hang it up. Mm-hmm. And like, so Mick Foley, the champion, is even involved in the finish. And, and also as well, we needed good champions in TNA at that time because mm-hmm. for such a long time, it was the Jeff Jarrett show mm-hmm. and then it just switched one day and it was the Kurt Angle show and as, as a big TNA fan I was pure sick of Kurt Angle a lot of the time because mm-hmm. he was so rammed down our throats it was even that time when he had every single belt belts. so whenever there was an opportunity to not have the belt on him on people like Sting mm-hmm. and then you see it on Mick Foley and you're just like oh god because sake. this this was a time in WWE where it was sort of the WWE title was sort of it was Triple H Randy Orton John Cena and occasionally Edge when he was on that show so it was those four you're like somebody else please someone else and then obviously you said TNA it was Jeff Jarrett Jeff Jarrett Jeff Jarrett well you just I was getting no Jeff Jarrett again and then it was <laughs> Kurt Angle oh yes no, no Kurt Angle again <laughs> sorry Dave when you go. yes uh, it's it was I hate to say but it was a really bad habit of TNA to really rely on like sort of big name draws who had association with WWE or WCW mm-hmm. and Sometimes it can work in the way, like, you know, getting a big name and getting mm. eyes on your product. But if they can't go in the ring like, to be the headline champion, I mean, mm-hmm. what's even the point? The, uh, so, and, you know, the way, you know, Scotty's described those matches, yeah. I might even just look up just to see if, you know, it really yeah. stands by, like, how bad it was. But one thing I will give TNA credit for is at least they were, they were trying to come up with some creative stipulations, not only just to, mm-hmm. you know, be a little bit different, but also in a way it kind of protects... Mm-hmm. Their title reigns, but like you said, Mick Foley wasn't even involved in the King of the Mountain. Yeah, decision. finish. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a mixed, weird thing of booking because, like, two months after Victory Road, where he gets his rematch and loses, AJ Styles wins the the title from Kurt Angle. So it's basically like, oh yeah, we're finally going with this guy who's been the cornerstone of our company. After we gave it to a guy who was the cornerstone of another company, his, his body's knackered after years of mm-hmm. jumping off things. And the thing is, that paper where I said that Kevin Ash and uh, Mick Foley were fighting over that Legends belt mm-hmm. the month before Kevin Nash who's like near 50 at this point beat AJ Styles for that belt AJ doesn't get a chance to win it back he's not even on that pay-per-view mm-hmm. and then the following month he's suddenly in the title picture yeah it's it was a weird time for, for the, booking the thing is as well to, to go back to what David was saying about how like they were using ex-WWE stars mm-hmm. they made that work a lot of the time yeah. I would maybe argue that RVD had a better run as a oh, champ no. there yeah. Christian becoming Christian Cage had a better no. run there yeah. it worked a lot of the time but it, it, it did just, not work with Foley yeah, yeah, it's, like. just, it's just for those that could, physically couldn't go that was that was the only problem yeah we, we talked at the start what makes a bad world champion I think this was a case of it's far too late. Like WWE gets a lot of stick for the likes of The Rock in 2013, Goldberg in 2016. Say what you will, those guys could still go. Those guys were still in shape. Those guys were still young enough. You know what I mean? Like it's it is just a weird. But like, why yeah. did you not see the state of them? Because <laughs> if if you insist on bringing a big name like McFoley, you want to get your money's worth it. And fair enough, have him wrestle, but don't have him winning your top title. Have him be putting over other guys or if he's got to be fighting over Kenneth for a belt made for legends mm. fine just don't have him 
beat holding belts that other more deserving people should win, like when AJ won a few months after. Yeah, it's like uh, right now, you know, you've got Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair heavily featured on the weekly shows, and the first time I think they came out on for promoting Crown Jewel, <laughs> it was, people are chanting one more match, and everybody at their TVs is like, no, no! <laughs> because you know that would be the situation with that you know I mean it's yeah. great to see these two back on TV but my god keep them as far away from yeah. not just the world title but the ring entirely yeah no 100% so Scott's pick TNA Mick Foley I think that diversified a wee bit it's not just the WWE bashing show that sometimes these style of shows become um, Chris we're going to move on to you now I was so scared there because I spent like three hours writing a pick and when you started TNA, I was like, oh my god, he's stolen it. <laughs> I need to get up and leave. But no, I would actually also like to join you with a TNA pick as well. Mm. So, um, as I just mentioned, like, I was a big TNA guy. I basically discovered it by accident on the wrestling channel in like 2004. Oh, I'd say I watched, channel. I think I probably watched weekly until 2016. I actually remember the, the yeah. first show I watched. What are you trying to find six sets on Bravo? <laughs> <laughs> Got lost, like, yeah, this isn't softcore porn. Um, so <laughs> but they are covered in oil. <laughs> <laughs> so the first show I watched, I actually looked up the date. It was March 17th, 2004. And I remember watching this absolutely brilliant match. It was a number one contender's ladder match, which in itself is a terrible stipulation. And uh, there was this wrestler in it that had bits of like Mankind, he had bits of The Undertaker, and his name was Abyss. Mm-hmm. Now, so that was the first show I watched. It was pay-per-view 89, if you want to go and look it up, because it's out there somewhere. He beat AJ Styles in that ladder match. Um, AJ bumping like an absolute maniac, did a flip through a ladder. It was beautiful. Um, and I realised that this guy was... I was like, he's a genuine monster. This is yeah. great. Um, I remember t- going into school and like being like, look at this company. I found it's absolutely dynamite. Um, and he just had everything. He even had like probably my favourite TNA music, which was this like orchestral metal yeah. song. So fast forward two years. It's Genesis 2006. And we get to the worst world championship reign in history oh. for me. <laughs> so let me take you through this. Abyss is in a title match with Sting. And Sting is just having his way with the best for a good bit. During the match, Sting legitimately hangs him by his feet from the ceiling. He's flailing about like an absolute dafty. Um, Sting clocks Abyss a good few times in the face with a chair while he's hanging. And referee Rudy Charles, right in front of him, does not DQ him. Keep that detail in mind. So then they move up to the ramp. Rudy Charles is all like, no, Sting, stop. Sting's like, no. Uh, Close lines Rudy Charles. Then there's a pause. Then Rudy rings the bell, then there's another pause, and then Sting chokeslams Abyss off the stage through a barbed wire table. Rudy calls for the bell, David Penzer announces your winner by disqualification <laughs> and new NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Abyss. Yeah, because I remember around about this time, Sting was just off a career versus title match with Jeff Jarrett. Mm. That was a great match. We'd finally got the end of the Jeff Jarrett show and you talk about not at the right time. Exactly. Right after, one month after this happens, after six months of chasing, he loses via DQ. There's a couple of iconic commentary lines that I had to include. (laughs) Don West says, Sting doesn't understand what's going on. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) understands what's going on. He adds, I can't remember that rule going into effect with Mike Tanay adding to close the broadcast We've always strived to give a clear winner in every type of match, which closes the show with a best shivering while, while lying buried in a barbed wire table. 
as Sting stands outside the ring looking confused. Now, he held the belt for 56 days, and I could maybe get over that stipulation if it wasn't for the state of those 56 days. Uh, he lost it in a triple threat match with Christian Cage and Sting at Final Resolution two months later. And in those 56 days, boys, let me tell you what happened. First of all, uh, the pay-per-view Genesis. He's not on the cover of the DVD. He didn't go on last. He didn't wrestle the next week on TV. Next week, he lost at Angle in a non-title match. Next week, he got beaten up by Christian Cage and Tom Cole. Next week, he lost at Angle in a six-way match. Before we hit Turning Point, which was the highlight of Abyss's career, <laughs> he successfully defended the title against Sting and Cage, but not before getting curb stomped onto the tax by Christian. He didn't go on last, and he's still not on the DVD cover. <laughs> he continues this phenomenal run of his by beating such TNA heavyweight title contenders as Ron Killings, Christopher Daniels, and Brother Runt. Brother Runt? <laughs> <laughs> Which was uh, Spike Dudley at the time. Oh God! Despite during this time losing the physical belt to Sting, who was now walking about with it, he then lost a nightstick on a pole match to Sting. He then beat Tomko by DQ by getting battered by Christian Cage, but it's not for the title. Before we hit final resolution, this time he does go on last, but was eliminated first in a triple threat match before returning to heel turn later on to help Christian win the belt. What the actual fuck, lads? <laughs> uh, I, Operation Mind Exploded. I honestly don't know how to react. I knew the, the run was bad. I knew it was like the time Christian came in. I know Vince Russo was featured in TNA at this point. But my God, that does sound like... What do, What can we do next? What are WWE doing? Well, they're continuing with this storyline. They're... I think they're just going to do a promo package this week. Let's have a title change! <laughs> do you know what's weird? Like, my take from this, because I'll be honest, I have only ever, ever watched one TNA show, mm -hmm. and it was Tessa Blanchard versus Sadie Callahan. Oh. Right? That's the only show I've watched. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I've watched Wrestling Patchy at the start and coming in, mm -hmm. watched it solid again, broke off, and now watching it solid. You mentioned all those names. And I never had any interest in watching TNA, even those old mm. names I grew up with. I mean, I left out the fact that this was during Angle, Joe, 1, 2 and 3. So they almost did have to do something with the belt just mm -hmm. to kind of keep it going before they eventually put the belt on one of those two. But it was just so depressing. This was Abyss's only world title reign of his whole career. Um, and this is the real kicker for me, right? So see from that run of when I started watching NWA TNA all the way through to the Hogan Bischoff era, mm -hmm. most of those guys would either go on to WWE and have a great career or came from WWE and had a great career mm -hmm. and will probably end up in the Hall of Fame. Jeff Jarrett's already in, Sting's already in, Foley's already in, Styles, RVD, Samoa Joe, they'll probably end up going in. Ken Shamrock, yeah, you can make an argument for that. Ron Killings, you can make an argument for that, one being a huge UFC WWE crossover, one being the first African-American NWA champ. Could even maybe make the argument for Raven and Rhino because of their histories ECW. Abyss isn't going to get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And you can kind of see why. So one thing as well, see round about the in WWE, I believe round about this time in 2006 was the May 19th storyline. Oh God. <laughs> where Kane was looking to be replaced and originally they were either going to replace Kane with a new actor because the original Kane was thinking of retiring 
all they were going to bring Abyss in. And I think Abyss is like... We, we look back at Sting's WWE run as a bit of a... Nah, because he came too late. I think Abyss had plenty of times to come to WWE. And I think sometimes being loyal isn't a smart move. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened with James Storm as well. Yeah. I think he missed his shot. Yeah, yeah, Abyss definitely missed his shot. I read that thing about how Abyss was supposedly getting brought in to fight The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, I've kind of believed bits over the years, but it's just that, see, up until that point, mm-hmm. I believed in Abyss. Every time he was in a title match, I'd always be like, he, he, could, he could win this. Yes. And then from that exact point onwards, I was just like, well, that was nice. Yeah, I. They say uh, uh, we actually interviewed James Storm, and he said the reason he turned down the WWE contract was because of the work commitments, and at the time he was starting a family and so on. Good on him. So that's that's the reason. Priorities, yeah. yeah. Well, that's fair enough for James Storm. I think the best thing you just oh my TNA oh, guy, Scott, you had a point just before that up. A few things to take away. <laughs> it's not if you like TNA corner. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yours totally. Is, yours is mine. <laughs> because the worst thing about the way that happened is this is not even TNA's version of it. This is the NWA title. The title that's now relevant again today. This is clearly a dark period for that hilt. Yeah. And like I knew that. I knew as soon as I started talking, like, oh, I know the reign. I know how it end, ended, how it started. And like I did not know all of that <laughs> in the middle. But I think, like you said, the timing was Angles came and he started the series with Joe. I think that's one of the cases where they felt the belt. Can he go on last when we've got the easy guys? I think Angle's breaking the streak that Joe's on the feet streak at this time. But it also didn't help the fact that it was being put on a bit and booked in this fashion. Yeah, there was four house shows in that time, and obviously that's how you judge it because mm-hmm. the house shows are where you make your money. And I think three of the house shows, Angle beats uh, Abyss like clean. And then another one is a table match with Brother Run for the belt. <laughs> uh, Dave, yeah, I mean. This was before I like I started sort of sporadically watching TNA because I was I'm always a WWE mark. But mm-hmm. the one thing I will take away from Abyss is that he's obviously a very recognizable domineering presence. He's kind of like Kane in WWE at the minute. You know, mm-hmm. as, if people look at him, they'll recognize who he is. And mm-hmm. he's like a a fantasy a fantasy booker's like dream crossover. Whenever they did, if they were gonna book like a WWE mm-hmm. TNA sort of feud against Kane, for example, but. I just did not see the guy as world championship material. Like he was—he's a good draw in terms of you know just his presence alone. But after hearing that major booking roller coaster from Chris, there <laughs> it was—I just—I can't buy him as a as a world champion anymore. So mm-hmm. like, yeah. which is a shame, really, because you know he could have been a big draw. A lot of the time, the one time paper one time guy, sorry, are like, oh, you didn't draw, and then you think, well you guys booked it like you know and I I think see that weird period of his career where Undertaker was putting every stipulation match imaginable some were hits like Hell on a Cell some were not the last ride it Abyss sort of just didn't get out of that you know they had the Monsters Ball and then it was like oh we'll we'll call it Abyss's Funhouse what is it it's a Monsters Ball under a different name you know what I mean (laughs) Like, it's, it's a shame that it was his one and only title because at least Kane got that world title reign in 2010 and make up for the one day reign in 98 uh, but I think Abyss he was one of those guys where he was, he was seen as being the guy for big stipulation matches and the guy to challenge or oh, tell me a credible threat but it's, I don't think it was a case of it proved that reign that he's not the guy to be the champion yeah don't get me wrong Abyss had good moments there's a bit where um, I think when Christian Cage first came in obviously like nobody mm-hmm. expected him to be a champ uh, in TNA and I think one of his Defining moments in TNA was when he went over Abyss and yeah. it just it made him more of a champion. So Abyss had his time, mm. but just not as the actual top guy. So 
Thanks for that, Chris. You know, that was a, certainly a roller coaster. <laughs> he's the one, thought, he's yeah, the thought yeah. process of Abyss in 2006. So we'll move on now to Kwaku. You have your worst world champion for us. Yeah, well, Rain. Worst world title reign, I should uh, say. Yes. I should emphasize Rain yeah. when I say this. It was briefly mentioned earlier Goldberg 2016. Ooh. I'm okay. sorry. Everything about this annoys me. Going into WrestleMania 33, mm. now they had the chance, they had the chance to put KO and Chris mm-hmm. in the main event, a match that everyone would have cared about so, so, so much, yet it was put so far down in a forgettable spot in yeah. the WrestleMania. It was made for the US Championship when that should have been. Okay, I know there was the Undertaker Roman Reigns yeah. match, which is fair enough. That's Undertaker Roman Reigns, which we at the time thought that was going to be the Undertaker's last match. Mm-hmm. But it turned out, just like Jay Z, he was tired from not rap and not actually, <laughs> <laughs> actually getting tired. But anyway, what annoys me about this is so they go into fast lane, right? The feud comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It just comes out of nowhere because we're still expecting, yes, that Chris Jericho was taken out because he was heartbroken and stuff, mm. but it just came from nowhere. And as soon as that happened, you just knew, oh no, it's going to be, um, it's going to be um, Buddy Goldberg Brock uh, to set up Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns Electric Boogaloo Part 19 million. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's just, like I like Goldberg and the thing was see when he came back mm-hmm. banging his head off a wall so much that he cuts himself <laughs> and he can't even remember his promo he's like where am I? I'm at the ring oh oh no dear and he just I know the match mm-hmm. this is the thing okay the match was good mm-hmm. but the only reason I say the match was good is because we all expected it to be so rubbish yeah. that we took anything my takeaways from WrestleMania 33 was AJ Styles, Shane McMahon, and mm-hmm. um, Hardy Boys coming back. That was epic. What a moment. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well, you mentioned um, this was something that plagued Chris Jericho two years in a row. He was in a good match, but it was put after, you know, a big show ceiling opening match, you know. Mm. 32, we had an Intercontinental title ladder match, Zack Ryder's big moment. Jericho goes on next against AJ Styles. A good match, but not as good as a seven-man ladder match. Yeah. And then you have Shane McMahon, AJ Styles, which turned out to be a really good wrestling match. Yeah, great match. Yeah, and obviously you had the usual high spots that you get with a Shane McMahon match to pop the crowd. And then you have this good match, which is good if you go watch it on your own, but if you watch Shane, Shane and AJ first, it doesn't doesn't work the way it is and there's that heartbreaking moment on the Kevin Owens 365 documentary where he goes backstage and says to Vince McMahon how was that and he doesn't answer him he goes was it no good he goes nope and it's the voiceover guy you know Michael Rappaport trying to sound serious about wrestling going I turned down at the biggest stage of them all and you're like that's just such a shame it's absolutely heartbreaking so much about KOs feels really (laughs) real in a way and yeah you see that that clip yeah, it was a sh- it's a really really big shame, and you know it's I'm almost kind of like I, I get why WWE wanted to do it because you know at Survivor Series that year Goldberg Lesnar just stole the show like the fact that it lasted what 
like 88 seconds and it mm-hmm. popped the crowd like mad so I can see why they'd want to capitalise on that mm-hmm. momentum at Wrestlemania but at the expense of a really well told and ongoing feud mm-hmm. like Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho who were arguably the most entertaining thing of that entire calendar year he got a clipboard yeah. over like come on a clipboard a scarf we, and god knows what else over we talk as well about poor ratings with gender on Smackdown See, at this time, it was the KO and Jericho show, or the Kevin and Chris show, or the, the Chris Kevin and Kevin show. show. Yeah, yeah uh, on Raw, because Raw wasn't hitting its stride, whereas SmackDown was just not out of the part every week. They were the highlight every week, and then, obviously, we mentioned it's such a shame, because they ended up in a lower down spot, Scott. Yeah, we, we talked about this last week, I think it was, on the Greatest <coughs> Heel Turn show, that I talked about the Festival of Friendship, and I said storytelling, the aspect I couldn't rate that as highly, because that should have led to a much bigger spot than it was. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how it was in the second match and it didn't have the feel it should have after such a great moment with the Festival of Friendship. I think the only compliment you can give this Goldberg reign amongst all the other ones is that unlike some of the other ones, at least that one was short. It lasted less than mm-hmm. a month. But the way that just randomly Goldberg showed up one day and just went, oh, I Kevin Owens, I'm challenging you at Fastlane. It just immediately spell out by the way this is what's happened at Wrestlemania we talk as well uh, Chris mentioned about Abyss not being on the posters Kevin Owens was not in the Fastlane the Fastlane poster was Goldberg yeah and that just was Goldberg it. yeah it was just Goldberg like, I know WWE at times can be a bit lazy with certain promo ones and it's just like oh let's just put a bunch of our guys that we put on the house show or alright we'll put Becky because she's the most over thing at the minute but it was Goldberg and he wasn't on a lot of the Raws leading up to it and a lot of the Raws were getting rid of Chris Jericho and all that and I think as well see what hurts this Goldberg room I, I wouldn't have thought of this one but something that does hurt it is the fact that it leads on to Brock Lesnar's over 500 day oh, reign yeah. which a lot yeah. of people lambast and hated so it's good yeah. to and then like although some people thought like the big quick win over Brock and the stuff they were doing up until he won the title because really think about it that story doesn't need the title mm-hmm. it's more about Brock beating Goldberg or eat Brock didn't really care about winning the Universal title and then we all thought like oh the quick squash at the right everybody was happy with that the whole thing with the Rumble where Goldberg quickly limits him he's got his number like everybody's excited for Wrestlemania and then they put the Universal title in as soon as the night after uh, he squashes Kevin Owens he's in Chicago and the crowd won't let Goldberg talk they're booing and they're chanting CM He's, that's also when he's busting himself open on the locker so he doesn't know what he's talking about yeah I hate to say it but it's like it's a case of tactical booking on WWE's part. Like they want mm-hmm. to, they had to get something big for Mania. Like they had to get a universal title match mm-hmm. between Goldberg and Lesnar. That was their mindset going into it. Mm-hmm. But it made Goldberg come across as a transitional champion, mm-hmm. and I and that's not a phrase you'd want to associate with a guy like Goldberg. I.e., mm-hmm. probably one of WCW's most dominant performers in history. So it's. It's a shame, really, because you know he, he wins the title once, next match he loses it, just for the sake of building towards Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns the following year, and you know, like you said, Ross, that 540 whatever day reign it was, mm. it was it just sucked the life out of so many people, so, so the, the prerequisite to that, just murdered it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'd be curious to see? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we're talking about worst world champions, who's mm-hmm. the worst world champion based on cumulative match length? Goldberg's got to be dead bottom. Is there anyone that's had yeah. a longer spell in the ring as champion, either defending mm-hmm. or fighting for the belt? 
can't be anyone that's as low as him in terms yeah. of uh, WWE anyway, of course. Yeah. 2016 to 2017, he wrestled for less than 10 minutes. Yeah, because the WrestleMania match was like five minutes, something the Kevin Owens match was less than two, so yeah, his entire years of title defences are less than 10 minutes. Mm. The thing as well with the KO match, although he kept walking around the ring, that part, the bell hadn't rang yet. Yeah, it, it was, was when Jericho's seconds, mu- yeah. uh, it's when Jericho's music hits. That's what makes it go a bit longer. Mm-hmm. It's Jericho shocking him, and then he turns around, and that for a sense you can forgive that. Or oh, Jericho's cost him the belt if it wasn't for the fact that we wanted to see this for the belt. You know, you, even we complain WrestleMania is too long sometimes. You know, we put both women's titles in the main event this year. What was wrong with doing a US Universal title? Actually, you know what I mean, like. Yeah. The, the shining moment that I'm not shining in any way but the absolute blot in history when somebody says to me do you remember Goldberg's title reign I'll say no but I remember when he made his kids take their tops off in the ring and it will haunt me forever yeah Goldberg <laughs> he talks about <laughs> Goldberg talks about, his, Survivor Series Goldberg talks about his title reign he doesn't even talk about his matches he went oh yeah I remember I went to my kids school and they wanted pictures with a belt <laughs> That's his main yeah. highlight, and oh. Jericho <laughs> talks about how this kind of not being in the main event of Mania is what led him to go AEW. So he said it kind of also it could kind of link to Goldie Brock Lesnar's kind of long reign. This could kind of be linked to the fact that this is probably what pushed Chris Jericho at the door. This is what helped AEW get a big name mm. as yeah. the first champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he basically helped push away a big star. Yeah, that was actually a really interesting point because it did lead to a lot of. Like follow on and certain yeah. things not going away so yeah that is a really good pick Quacker. Um so after the break I'm going to have my pick for the worst world champions and then we're going to open it up to viewers picks and the panel are just going to have at it you know <laughs> in, in an orderly fashion careful now <laughs> we'll help control the fun but we're going to have a quick break and while we're on the break listen to possibly one of the most unfortunate bad runs of all time this is Andre the Giant's Two minute run after he beats Hulk Hogan at Saturday Night Main Event 1988, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see you in five. Hi, everybody. This is PCO Perfect Creation One, and you're listening to ESSR Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Championship belt, I believe, in his hands. 
Gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. And we're back here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I'm Ross McLeod, joined by Kwaku, Scott, Chris and Dave. And we are talking worst world champions and worst world championship runs in history. So, before the break, we had Dave's pick of gender. We had Scott's pick of TNA Mick Foley. We had Chris's pick of 2006 Abyss, and we had Kwaku's pick of Goldberg's 2016 Universal Title Run. I'm going to take you back to 2001. Vengeance. <gasps> I'm going to break the walls down, because not since someone stole his title for two days has someone had a worse first world championship reign than Chris Jericho's undisputed championship reign. No, look, I, I like the fact that he defeated The Rock and Stone Cold in the same night, but when you go you back and when look, he defeated The Rock? He beat The Rock and Stone Cold in the same night. Who are you? What have you done with Ross? Uh, <laughs> don't make me think about it. Uh, <laughs> no, you go back and look at those matches. They weren't very good. They were very... It, it didn't do anything to put Jericho over as a star. You know, low blows and cheap finishes and the whole thing just seemed sort of clunky because... We wanted The Rock Stone Cold. Ro- WrestleMania 7x7 seven, seven happened. Did we really though? Yeah, I know. I know Jericho's your bit. Think, think of this, right? We've got WrestleMania X7. Mm-hmm. Rock goes away to film Scorpion King, and in the midst of all this, the invasion starts. So you don't get Rock Stone Cold because that was what we were promised. We, were, we thought we were going to get Rock Stone Cold again. Then. We get the big showdown before the invasion. The Rock and Stone Cold fans go wild. These guys just carried on and had a bit of a laugh for 20 minutes, and the fans ate it up. They announced it was going to they were going to unify the titles. It was going to be Rock versus Stone Cold. The crowd goes mental, and then they just sort of convoluted by it. By the way, we're going to add Kurt Angle to the mix. Also, also, we're going to add Chris Jericho to the mix, but oh, it's going to be a fatal four-way. No, we're going to have two semi-finals and a final, and it was just... What, what is the point of this? Like, and the fact that Vince McMahon interfering and then Booker T interfering out of nowhere, it, just, it didn't do much, and that was just the beginning. So we go to the Royal Rumble, and seeing the lead-up to the Royal Rumble, you have the likes of Stone Cold, The Undertaker, Kane, Big Show, and Triple H... All in the Royal Rumble, all in segments with The Rock, letting them know that they're coming after him at WrestleMania. Jericho's barely on TV at this point. Jericho's turned into the, look at me, look at me, I'm champion. And no one's buying him. He's he's went from getting heel reactions to getting nothing. He beats The Rock, low blow, foot on the ropes, does nothing for him. The next night, The Rock just 
embarrasses him in a tag match. We then move on to Stone Cold Steve Austin. We think, oh yeah, he's got to beat him, he's got to beat him. He is about to lose and then the NWO interfere. <laughs> Distract Austin, he wins. He's then put in that horrendous storyline with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon where he is literally shoveling dog shit. <laughs> he's picking up Stephanie McMahon. He, he's dog sitting his opponent at WrestleMania's dog because Stephanie McMahon stole Triple H's dog. The storyline going into WrestleMania, much like WrestleMania 27, where it, it wasn't seen him as, it was seen as fighting for the world title, also the rocks floating about. It was Triple H is going for the world title, and by the way, Stephanie McMahon's managing his opponent. His opponent, oh, it doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah, that, the old third wheel, as it were. Yeah, it was very much a third wheel, and for however good current Le Champion of AEW, <laughs> Chris Jericho is. Say it again. Le Champion. <laughs> however good 2008 suit wearing Shawn Michaels feud Chris Jericho was, however good 2010 feuding with Edge at WrestleMania for the world title Jericho was. See, when Edge returned, and he went right after Jericho because that's the feud we wanted. That's the sort of thing we wanted with Rock Austin. And it just kind of got lost. We did, yeah. The, 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 see the fans at the time. The well, fans considering what were, happened at Mania 17. Yeah, yeah, it was such a, such a, when he comes back, yeah, oh my God. I'm sort coming of for you. And to me, it, it's a shame that it just goes down as that, that sort of reign because it just, it's very, you can draw parallels to that in The Miz's first title reign because <laughs> it was just, he was there. He wasn't the champion. He was there and he happened to be holding the belts. Chris, we'll go to you first. I'm so happy you brought this one up because this was again in my short list of ones. I think that you're, contrary to what Kwaku thinks, we did want Rock and Austin, right? WrestleMania X7 is the best wrestling pay-per-view it has ever been made. Fight me if you disagree. Um, and, and yeah, as you said, Rock. I, I, I agree. Oh no, we agree. Yeah. <laughs> I said this was going to be peaceful and like the debating chamber. You know, let's, let's calm it down here, boys. But, as you said, like Rock disappeared to do the film. He came back, and you know, he picked his side. Mm-hmm. He was one of the good guys. And I think, it, did it not come down to Rock and Austin in the elimination match? just before the unification as well yeah, yeah. and it was so, like the first time Rock had ever pinned Austin so we just want we like I was mm-hmm. such a rock mark at the time I was just like come Don't on like I was like I just yeah I just wanted Rock to win the belt and I I, I don't know if you guys but I vividly remember what happened I I basically was too young to stay up so I went to sleep and was like oh I wonder who won the belt and I didn't google it I, didn't. I basically mm-hmm. had to wait for like bottom line and Smackdown on Sky yeah. 1 and I remember being like what, what do you mean Chris Jericho won? Like, I, I was like, Rock will win. Yeah. And at the very worst, Austin will win. Yeah. And then the, I've got a vivid memory in my head of Chris Jericho on the ramp, belt in each hand. He raises one in one hand, one in the other with his back to the ring. Mm-hmm. I just I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. The, only, the only tiny little testament I would give them is that like, do you think they already knew, right, Hunter's going to be back from Mania? What can we do? We we need him face. Uh, sorry, he's going to be face because of what, mm. like you know, he's because of what you two did to him. Um, but like, you can't turn Rock and Austin. So what do you do? And yeah, see the on like a tiny wee percentage, I can see why they did it. But I'm mostly just like, what again? A blemish on a good career. See when you're talking as well though about Triple H has come back and he needs to be face. Stone Cold lambasted him much like I, I, I drew parallels to the Jericho Edge feud. See when Edge was out and Jericho replaced him with Big Show and he went, I've got a partner that can, you know, he doesn't break under pressure. Stone Cold started doing that, you know, it was 
it ended up being Jericho and Benoit in a triple threat match at King of the Ring because Triple H was out injured and he starts having a goal at, you know, Triple H. Like, why didn't you just keep heel, you know, Alliance Austin? As you said, yeah. at worst, Austin's going to win it. It was weird because see that, that Raw after the, the Raw after the Alliance ends. Yeah. And Austin just comes out in his face again. I watched that back like less than a year ago and I just remember being like, is he? Do yeah. we not still hate Austin because of everything he's just done is? Yeah, because Undertaker was like Mr. WWF and all of a sudden he was... He was you know, the he, heel, yeah. He was it a knob and RVD obviously was over, but now he's officially over. It was such a weird time for yeah. facing heels and Chris Jericho was basically the one that yeah. suffered the most. I mean, you said you didn't like his matches. I mean, you didn't like getting him, getting to see Jericho defend his title against Tough Enough winner <laughs> Nathan on a random <laughs> run January of 2002, but... I think the main reason they did that four-way thing is WWE loves their tag and they can be over and only the same bites. And the whole time was four men, three matches, two titles, one undisputed champion, and JR in the lead up to it. And he says it about a hundred times on Vengeance itself. Mm. The whole build-up until so he can say it over and over again. I think Jericho only won it, probably because he was the least assuming, because he had Rock and Austin, they were obvious main eventers. Angle was doing this thing where he turned back to the WAF and saved, basically helped save them, and he was Vince's guy again. So he was the kind of the corporate suck up, and then Jericho was just the other guy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Jericho found out because my man was kind of complaining, like, God, we're putting the title on Jericho, saying that, overheard the, my man saying that to take her at catering, and that's how he finds out. I mean, even Jericho would probably agree with some of the points made. He's the only champion, probably, who said, We can't main event WrestleMania because Rock and Hogan will outshine us. Yeah. I see something as well. You mentioned how you found out. I found out in an Iceland at night with John. We didn't have uh, Sky Sports. We were much like you, bottom line in SmackDown yes, on Sky yeah, One on yeah. a Saturday morning. Although the yeah, issue was, the bottom line was on after SmackDown, so even though spoiled. it was before. Because yeah, yeah. 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 you used to get the raw yeah, rebound exactly. and you get the main thing spoiled for you. Um, and it was Todd Gresham hosting as well. <laughs> and we, I was in, no the way Moz see each other on the next door and and I was asking why the boy, the rich kids that had Sky Sports, knobs. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, did you see who won? I went, oh, it was The Rock, wasn't it? No. Oh, Stone Cold beat him. No. Oh, God, cut Oh, no, he didn't. Don't stand there and lie to me. Cut, cut Angle won, didn't he? Vincent, like, no, I'm like, Chris Jericho didn't win. He's like, Chris Jericho won. I'm like, no, he didn't. I'm walking about school like an idiot, you know, that got... Alistair's a liar, Alistair's a liar, and then you watch Smackdown on the Saturday. I like was telling the truth. <laughs> oh my god. I will poor Alistair we're an apology and never let him go. <laughs> Just he was great he is the greatest. Honestly, Chris Jericho can do no wrong. Uh, 2002, apparently. Uh, 2001, yeah. 2002. Not only did he get outshone by Triple H and Stephanie, but also Rock and Hogan. If Jericho had won the belt over both those guys with the persona that he had six years later, yes, it would have been so much more believable. Yes, I think as well. A lot of the he was the only one to stay in character from post like Alliance, you know, wreckage that wasn't drawing at that point. If you get me, he was. Eddie's bickering feud with The Rock, and although people were happy to see him win the WCW title, it was like it got to the point where not the big, not the big belt. You know, this is a title that's been held by Arquette. Yeah, let, let's give Jericho his due. You know, he's he'll give credibility to it. But then you get to the point where it's like not the big belt, not not the big belt. Whereas now, if he came back, we've we'll just discussed Goldberg. We were like, yes, the big belt. Give him the big belt. And this is it in his 40s, whereas like in Y2J, you were like, no, no, 
please don't. Do, do not give him it. Aye, that, that was my argument for it. <laughs> yes, I know you do not agree with it. Les Champion is great. Suit wearing, you know, No Country for Old Men ripoff, Chris Jericho. <laughs> Sensational. This was a. I remember, that was crap. I, your dad, yeah. I remember when he went backstage, he tells the story, he's bit out, everyone basically buggered off. Everybody, I basically left, everybody basically left when they were done with their things. So he goes backstage with both belts, looking for to celebrate with a little bit of the bubbly, <laughs> and nobody's there. Well, and I had to get that in. I was waiting for somebody to say a little bit of the bubbly. I thought you would have done it. Uh, I honestly thought you would have done it. <laughs> well. Right, should we move on to some of the viewer picks, and then we'll just open up, guys, and we can have a wee, a wee rammy here. A fight. A fight, yeah. Uh, outside, square goal. So, oh, I'm <laughs> so Sarah Grieve says, where do I begin? Vince McMahon, not only did he pin Triple H for the WWE title in 99, he then pins Bobby Lashley for the ECW title in 2007 and remains champion for over a month. That's some fatter long goals right there, though. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Mitchell, Hulk Hogan when he won the Undisputed title in 2002, David Arquette and Jeff Jarrett in WCW, and Captain Dave Mitchell... <laughs> Sorry, Captain Dave 91 for his suplex retreat <laughs> title reigns. Hashtag Virgin Magnet. <laughs> I will find you, Andy Mitchell. <laughs> I'll take that turtle neck and shove it up your ass. <laughs> I'm sure he'd butt is shaking. <laughs> um, Stephen. No comment. <laughs> Stephen Wilson, he's got to find a way to get on this podcast somehow. Uh, got to be Arquette in WCW, Chris Sabin in TNA, Yokozuna, RVD in Nel Rio in WWE. Uh, Daniel J. Campbell says, One I could never enjoy was Alberto Del Rio. I could never buy him as a champion. Whether heel or face, literally all I remember of his title reigns is when he loses the titles. John McFarlane says, uh, Rey Mysterio, what happened to him was basically just using Eddie's memory to push him to the title. Big Show, all of his world title reigns were awful. Jeff Hardy's TNA world title run, bad timing considering his circumstances. Was that when he got hammered down in my sting hat? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. He's just thinking yeah. had a bad way of it, didn't he? He's lost by DQ. He had to lose to Mick Foley and then he had to have that, jet, that yeah, thing with Jeff Hardy. He's had a bad run with his yeah, TNA yeah. title yeah. runs, didn't he? Uh, Suzanne Russ says the great Cali was dreadful in general. I think he was booked badly, plus I wasn't keen on him either. Don't think any of us were. Keith S says Jeff Hardy's first two TNA World Title reigns, Matt Taven's Ring of Honor title reign, CM Punk's 2000 World Heavyweight Championship reign, the great Cali, Jack Swagger, and Jinder Mahal should all be in there as well. Could think of more, but those are the first one I think of. Craig S is. He's actually summarised it for his like, by promotion. This is actually quite helpful. IWGP champion, he says Lesnar. Universal champion, he says Rollins. That's bold. He's, he's not exactly set the world on fire, has he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's burning down. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Uh, hey, moving swiftly on. Uh, WWE. <laughs> See, for a moment, I thought he was going to say IWGP, Lesnar, Universal, Lesnar, Lesnar. Ah, here. There's a podcast. TNA. Uh, Alan McLucas says IWGP Lesnar Universal. He says TNA Lesnar. He didn't hold the belt, but if he did, he'd probably be crap. <laughs> Universal Rollins, WWE Diesel, World Heavyweight Title, Kali, WCW Champion, Kevin Nash. I've got a feeling he's not a fan of Big Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Impact TNA, Jeff Hardy, or Ring of Honor, Matt Taven. So thanks to everyone there's so many on that and our fi- Facebook community Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community 
Join us there, so many conversations we have. We're not always negative, we have best champions, favourite matches, join the conversation. So I think my entire list just got mentioned there. <laughs> we're going to open it up, so Chris, as soon as you're brought back to us, brought back from uh-huh. the dead, because we don't acknowledge people that leave us. Exactly. Da- David Campbell is dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Give us a. You don't hear that, you know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, I don't cast in on Great Sex too much. I voluntarily gave away that bill. I need you to beat me in a quiz, though. Oh, shut up. <laughs> well, yes, I'd like, sorry, I'd, moving swiftly on. Would you like to. Well, I'd like to introduce a persona to the show. Oh. I'd like to introduce you to Angry John, who you've all met at various shows, and <laughs> yes. is called John and is angry. Uh, I said to him an hour before the show, I said, Give me some worst world champions. He said, uh, Seamus was a shit champion, so was JBL, so was Alberto Del Rio. If you're looking at lowest drawing power, Diesel would get a mention, but I personally like Diesel. The Miz as well, and Psycho Sid wasn't the best either, and neither was Yokozuna. So there's a lot of good ones in there. So here's something I want to talk about. So we've spoken a lot about how people got the belt put on them. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it's not really their fault that it was Mince. Like, at best, you could argue it's not his fault that it yeah. sucked. Same with Jericho as well. Can we do the exact opposite? Can we talk about someone it who is. had everything handed to them and fucked up themselves? It is your pick. You fire right away. <laughs> the second one that came to me as soon as we started this conversation as a person that basically ruined, I'd say, a decade-long build-up to getting a championship reign that was so, so long overdue. I'm going to talk to you about Rob Van Dam. Oh. oh. I thought you were going to say Kofi Kingston. Can <laughs> you imagine? I was, I was ready to fuck this team all over. He <laughs> thought he was annoyed about bloody Chris Jericho. No, no. I was like, wait, when did you shag my father? <laughs> so, so here's the thing. So he had five, I would say, hugely successful years mm-hmm. with uh, WWE at the time. WWE? Yeah, it was yeah, WWE. WWE. Um, and he finally won the title in June 2006 from actual John Cena. Like, albeit he had loads of help from Edge, and it meant he was the only one in history that held ECW and WWE at the same time. It landed him on the Triple Crown list. Everything was so sweet for Rob Van Dam for such a little while. And then it could have been the start of something great. But 22 days later, oh, he gets arrested while champion. <laughs> Less than a month after winning the belts, he's got both of them taken off him by Edge and Big Show. Now, as a guy that had risen through the ranks, watching him win the belt was one of the best things I ever saw in wrestling. Yeah. It was so, it was such a euphoric moment. Was that the one night stand? Yeah, one night stand. John cash in match, yeah. And this, this was a build up of actual ten years. He had his run with Sabu as tag champs in ECW '96. TV champ in '98. Invasion. He basically came out of it looking like the coolest guy on the roster. IC champ, tag titles with Kane, even landed at number one in the PWI 500 in 2002, which is like, you know, it's, it's a neutral party deciding who the best wrestlers are in the world. All led him to winning the big one, and he even beat out like my personal favorite guy, which was Jeff Hardy when he got there. And Jeff Hardy was also always a kind of standard bearer of like being cool mm-hmm. in wrestling in those years. Immediately after he wins it, he throws it all away because he couldn't yes. keep himself off of pills, hash, amphetamine, and a car with Sabu. Oh no, but wait, the pills were prescription. So that makes it okay. Well, I'm pretty sure Sabu, apparently the cop pulls him over, looks in and asks Sabu, why are you not wearing a shirt? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, this was a this was a real shame as well, because I remember I taped that 
uh, one night stand taping and it was from the Hammerstein Ballroom which yeah. is probably the most hardcore anti-Cena crowd I've ever heard in my entire life and to just see Rob Van Dam finally get his dues it was a really satisfying moment especially because the year before he was out injured with his knee injury mm-hmm. and the moment when Paul Heyman as well counts the three count the entire place just explodes and I was the same like RVD has now sort of finally made it to the top but and from for him to lose it all just so quickly as well for something that could have easily been avoided it's, it's just a it's a real shame you know especially when he had a successful title defense against edge as well you think yeah. this is his chance to be a top guy seeing that brief period of time he actually did beat edge as you say which i think was vengeance, vengeance and then he also beat angle on ecw mm-hmm. so there was you know that makes him second worst in my eyes to the best but um just like everything about it every other part of RVD was amazing. He was a brilliant ECW uh, like title holder when he was uh, tag champ and then also TV champ. And the alliance, he was awesome. I loved him when he had the IC and the hardcore. Mm-hmm. Even like down to his move set was so unique yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. Everything except his run with the title was great. And you can even extend it out. Can mm-hmm. you like you know what we were saying earlier about like is it the is it the a wrestler who's been a champion or is it a specific reign? Mm-hmm. Well, let's extend this out to RVD's TNA World Championship run. Brilliant match on Impact, gave it away for free. Beat AJ Styles after mm-hmm. he was doing brilliant stuff. He was the face of the company for a wee while during the Bischoff Hogan era, and then. TNA ran out of dates that they had agreed to book him on. RVD was like, well, I can't come in anymore. And he gets beat for the title without being on the show and you just see him lying backstage beating up. Yeah, so like was, every single aspect. shredded by, exactly, yeah. by Janice. Every <laughs> single aspect of RVD's career is dynamite, except for Wins when he's holding champ. the belt. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's very much one of those ones because I remember 2002 he had his shot. You know, you thought Ric Flair was going to help him. And then this was like the beginning of the evolution. Ric Flair turns, joins Triple H, and fans were outraged. They thought, oh, this is his moment. We had to wait four more years, as you said. You know, when it's your favourite, it's agonisingly long. And then it happens. And then just you hear about footballers, like young upcoming footballers, that they move out of rough areas to keep them away from bad influences. This seems like, had it not been an ECW, and his old pals were brought back, it was his old partying ways. It might not happen, you know, because he, he managed for his, you know, for however much weed he claims to smoke, he managed to keep his nose clean in WWE for such a long time. He was so consistent. Other than that, and the injury Dave mentioned, he was very rarely injured. Scott, you? Uh, like I say, remember in ECW, he had that legendary TV title in like mm-hmm. 22 months. Apparently, the only reason he gave us because he was injured, and apparently, there was a plan for him to win the world title as well, so he's going to hold both belts there. Mm-hmm. So, so again, he's, he's got not had the best luck when it comes first in ECW, he has that, and then this one's kind of on him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, if you took two months out of watching wrestling, you'd probably miss his entire ascension and then losing of the titles. You probably would have missed the entire highlights of yeah, WWE. Yeah. If you got like a, a three week holiday and you'd have missed it. I'd be really interested to hear Strack's take on this. He, because Rob RVD is his favourite. Uh, both him and I know uh, Sean Smith, mm-hmm. one of our listeners, they are both big RVD fans. Obviously, Strack's favourite wrestler of all time is RVD sorry Strack no 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 they they, they both on our Facebook community put Rob Van Dam in the list of their worst champions really? wow yeah because I think he knows like much as Chris said this is someone who got there got to the mountaintop it was well deserved everyone was happy to see him there and then he 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 pisses away there's no other way to say it you know what I mean 
that's fine, fair enough if, you know, you don't get caught doing that stuff, but when you're the champion, when you're the main event oh, guy. Apparently, yeah. apparently Vince, like, he only did it because he had to be seen to doing some. Vince apparently when he heard about it, he laughed like, you got caught with weed and he just laughed about it. <laughs> that is one of those ones though, isn't it? If you don't toe the line with someone, people are going to walk all over. Ah, and, okay. and that's something Vince McMahon's never, even down to the Ultimate Warrior, where he gave him the money because he was going to stand him up for SummerSlam 88, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 89. I think 89. And then immediately after it goes up to him with a note and says, never cross me again. You're suspended without pay for 60 days. <laughs> Hope that extra 10 grand was worth it. And Warrior walks up and goes, give me the money. <laughs> oh, <for God's> <laughs> <sake>. <laughs> so that's, that is a really interesting one. That is someone... It's not on the booking, it's on them. Yeah. So definitely. we'll go now to Quagga. Have you got any other ones? No, I'm happy just to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm just happy to screech and yeah, <laughs> yell at people when they say, <laughs> when they say R-Truth or Kofi Kingston or Chris Jericho. Right, well, that's Dave's mm-hmm. pick of NWA. Ron Killen's out the window, so we're going to go to Scott and then we'll come back to Dave when he thinks of a different one. <laughs> so, Scott, give us a. Just a wee five-minute conversation. Give someone else that you think. Uh, I've got them between two, but that one of them has already been mentioned. Uh, Yokozuna, because mm-hmm. both his tailwinds were because he never had a clean win his second reign, and his first one ended after about five minutes. <laughs> so I'll move on to another outside WWE one because people have mentioned Matt Taven, and I'm not keeping up with ROH, but I'm thinking he gets so he's not the best champion. But I don't think he's as bad as people are making out to be. The Ring of Honor champion I want to mention is Dalton Castle. Because he had this like feud with Cody, where Cody kept attacking him in a spirit of months and kept calling me, he doesn't belong here, you're a nolly act. And then there was one thing where he was interacting with what looked like a fan, and there's a ma- the fan takes the mask off, and it's Cody filming it, you can see his reaction when he sees that the fan is Don Castle. That led to final battle, and I think this is the Hammerstein Ballroom, and Don Castle wins the title, which should be in a great moment. But then he's guilty of one of those face reigns that went on for too long and shouldn't have lasted long which should have been a great moment but even like a couple of months after it pushed in because he's, he wasn't really the focus all the time he may have entered the Supercar of Honor show many a weekend but against Mark Skirrow and he probably should have lost it there but the big thing going in that show is the match everyone was talking about wasn't his match mm-hmm. it was the fact that Cody and Kenny Omega were going to fight because yeah. like we even have in our quick fire questions Cody or Omega because they were in this big feud, the whole Bullet Club is fine storyline. And the that went on before the Bucks accidentally caused Kenny the match. Everybody's knackered. Like I've heard podcast people who were there live, like they said when these two came out, everybody was knackered. And uh, then they had this whole Global Wars tour where Don Castle kept having to miss time because he was injured. This whole Global Wars tour, he wasn't the one on the show to draw money as the champion. It was always. LIG or Bullet Club on the show mm-hmm. they draw money and then they have this big thing at best in the world triple threat Jay Lethal Cody Dalton Castle he retains and then at a random B short slash TV tape I think it was he loses he doesn't think he gets pinned and a four way Jay Lethal's the champion and then Dalton Castle's back to where he was before mm-hmm. it's funny you mentioned Dalton Castle like so I saw him live when they did the New Japan ROH crossover tour in Edinburgh I do believe it was a couple of years ago oh, and on a rise or something yeah, like and it was yeah. him and the boys with mm-hmm. uh, against some form of Bullet Club I think I remember maybe Cody in the box no Hangman in the box I should say and uh, I just remember being like 
what is this guy a champion yeah. for? <laughs> and uh, they got beat for the trios titles that night, so I was just like, good. Were we at the same show? Well, I think we were. No, um, I, I think that was the year before, because I don't yeah. remember those matches. Because yeah. when we went, it was um, the boys were in a separate tag match, and um, it was Tanahashi and Jay Lethal that were teaming with Dalton Castle yeah. against... The Kingdom, Matt Taven, as obviously we mentioned earlier, because Hangman and Cody was fought. that when SCU came out to the yes. ring first, and they went U S, and someone in the crowd started B. <laughs> <laughs> the, the main event of that. Oh, you got a lot of fans sometimes. <laughs> so that that was when he was world champion. Yeah. He was in a six-man tag, and everyone was not fawning over him. They were fawning over the fact that the, the ace was there. Yeah, you know, Tanahash is there, and then the main event is. You know, we get the Bullet Clubs and another, uh, sorry, the Bucks in a random tag match. They get obviously the massive pop. The main events, uh, the Briscoes v Cody and Hangman, and that match steals the show. Like, that, that was a great match. <laughs> the issue with basically all of Ring of Honor, and I don't really mind saying this, is that for every Joe and Brian Danielson and AJ Styles and mm-hmm. whoever else they've had in their history, they've got so many duds. Like so many does, so many people. It's just like, like you look at and you see, oh, former ROH world champion. You're just like, why? Mm. <laughs> what about this guy makes you think, oh, that's the money we need. To, like, there's, there's the draw. So that was the thing, like, because when I, I went into that show, Cold Turkey never seen Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. So, God, the tickets were expensive, but yeah. anyway, um, and the um, seats were crap. There was yeah. like these wee crappy chairs were squashed together. Oh my God. Not not like bad friendly. Anyway, <laughs> so when I walked in and Dalton Castle, like they had a lineup of meet and greet and whatever have you. That was expensive on itself, but anyway, um, the first person you see is Dalton Castle. He's just sitting there at a the table and like literally nobody was there. Mm-hmm. Like literally everyone was around Tanahashi, the roads, young bucks, they were never your main people that mm-hmm. everyone was around. Everything else, Dalton Cat. I mean, people are even around Jay Lethal. I remember that one. Yeah, because Jay Lethal was next to Evil and Sonada, who were the IWGP tag champs at the time. <laughs> they had a massive queue around them. And Dalton Castle, he did have people around him, but they weren't going for him. They were going for NWA champ Nick Aldis because we were leading up to All In. Yeah. And he was getting the big spotlight against Cody. <laughs> and everyone was asking him because he had a mystery tag partner that night. Who's your tag partner? Who's your tag partner? Ended up being Haskins for MD that cares. <laughs> that was a great Closure. <laughs> I mean, talking about how people like, get the position and they kind of fall back to either lower or where they exactly were before. Mm-hmm. Like six, seven months after he goes the title, we're in Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. and he's in a second match from the top, second match on the card mm-hmm. uh, against Rush, a CMLL wrestler. Mm-hmm. They've already, the crowd's already been mild before them with Jeff Cobb uh, Osby in a title v title match and he gets distracted because the boys taking ages to get out of the ring they've got feathers all over the ring then the bell rings Roosh beats him in about 10 seconds and then after the match he just randomly beats up these two boys and turns heel like and he's just going from going out of final battle being getting this big like hero's support against, going against Cody because Cody was doing this whole thing like I'm not a wrestler I'm a sports entertainer and I'm holding your belt because he hadn't wrestled anywhere outside of he went before he left and he was using that he was a top heel as a champion and he goes on the screen and Gump Don beats him everybody's happy and then he just peters out yeah just sibbles yeah yeah. so that is another good one yeah that's a sort of outside the box one Dave mm-hmm. you have another choice there as well I do yeah 
Well, my first choice was actually going to be, but someone's, the listener has already taken it. Uh, I was going to say Jack Swagger, just because he was like the most boring man in the world at the time. See, like, some, you mentioned you thought he was going to say Kofi Kingston. See, before New Day and before like regular IC champ Kofi Kingston, Kofi was in sort of a lull period. See, in the time Jack Swagger was champ leading up to his match with Big Show, mm-hmm. Kofi Kingston beat him cleanly three times on TV. Yeah, that, that's literally <laughs> how bad Jack... But yeah, I'll not go into detail because obviously it's been mentioned already, but mm-hmm. one person I will say who I think had the biggest hype and the biggest draw towards becoming a really semi-decent world champion, shall we say, but it just... It was over before it even started. Dolph Ziggler. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Dolph Ziggler, like, and he is recognised as a two-time world heavyweight champion because the first one, he was literally handed it to him by Vicky Guerrero after Edge got fired. And it lasted about the night. Teddy Long comes back, Edge, like, regains it. And... (laughs) What, guys? Yeah, and... That man can do no wrong. It's weird to see him come out and not announce a tag team match. Yeah, Yeah, it's, um... But, yeah, then he goes on this sort of massive build towards becoming the next Mr. Money in the Bank because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people saw it happening for him and you know he was delivering it in those sort of WWE download promos that he used to do mm-hmm. like he said he's delivering promos like a boss and he's gonna he was carrying the Money in the Bank contract for the better part of a year and like every single sort of major pay-per-view up to that point like everybody was saying oh he's gonna cash in tonight because you know we're getting bored of Sheamus and Alberto Del Rio and even Big Show at that point as well but when he finally did cash in obviously Arguably the biggest ovation ever in a post-mania crowd as well, which is literally just lightning, lightning hot. But then he goes on to lose it like two months later. He didn't even defend it at the first pay-per-view because he was concussed. Mm -hmm. So the reason I say it's a bad reign is because, you know, we finally got to that moment, but then it was like, okay, what now? Because I just don't think he carried, well, not through any fault of his own, but I think he was really held back from having a decent world title run, especially because he misses the first pay-per-view through no fault of his own, and then the very next one afterwards, he loses it to Del Rio in a double turn. So, I think that sort of build was more about him, you know, holding the Money in the Bank briefcase for so long, and it was like, will he, won't he? And then when he finally does do it, everybody like goes mental for it, Mm -hmm. and then that's it. Like, the world title run itself was just so damn forgettable. See, something as well, I will say this about Dolph Ziggler, the cash in was great, seeing when the belt was great, but then see after that, see when he starts coming out regularly mm-hmm. with the title, it didn't look, to me, it, it didn't look right, he didn't look. And he was caught between that, it's something WWE do themselves so often. They, they do not let people organically turn, like on regular, they did it with the New Day, but that's only because New Day were turning from face to heel. They very rarely let heels turn face when they're not ready. And the whole Biggie's his bodyguard, so Ricardo Rodriguez's thing with his handyman, uh, Del Rio's handyman, mm-hmm. and you know, the guy pulling the strings behind Jack Swagger, making him somewhat presentable, is uh, <laughs> Zeb Coulter. And they kept doing these weird matches where it was Biggie, Ricardo, and Zeb Coulter. And you're like, this is meant to be a world title feud. It sort of get bogged down and. I mean, if you if it was for the Intercontinental Championship or the US title, it might have a bit more stability. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you you had a group of guys that you know 
the big gold belt by this point, you know, mm. it was playing second fiddle to the WWE title, yeah. so it was pretty much a lost cause. Certainly when John Cena, it was The Rock, then John Cena. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of when it went downhill. Mm -hmm. But obviously the big gold belt was kind of more just to help elevate talent towards yeah. that world title position rather than establish them as top guys. And Dolph Ziggler was probably one of those one of those guys. And one thing I will say about, uh, you know, guys like Dolph Ziggler as well, is that, you know, he, he was pouting on and on about he's the show-off, he's the, the show-stealer. When it came, when push came to shove and he was put in the spot, he, he wasn't there. Yeah. Like, so quickly so before people were for him to win it. Even, I think, even during the Mania match between Swagger and Del Rio, people were chanting, we want Ziggler. Yeah. And then the rematch the fall night, they're chanting for Ziggler. And something that was weird was when he won the world title, he did his whole entrance where he basically did the earth shake and uh. he, had, he did it with the belt facing the way the camera, and then he would spin it round. Uh -huh. Mind uh, buddy JBL, he's maybe the heel commentator and he's going to, oh, you know, that's really disrespectful of Dolph to wear the title that way. Like, you're maybe the heel guy, you're maybe backing up Michael Cole or Jerry Lawler saying that, yeah. fair enough. You don't really listen to them anyway, but like, like when JBL started burying the Ascension for only fighting jobbers when they're maybe getting built up. So before we quickly move on, Chris, have you got anything to add about this? I just think that, way? like, that. I mean, that's that's the peak of his career, isn't it? He, that, that pops, yeah. that's it. Like, nobody remembers the belt reign. Nobody nah. remembers anything about Ziggler since. There was that retirement IC title Aye, that, thing. And, then, uh, and I remember him dressing in pink much. But yeah, <laughs> you could argue that, you could even argue that if Dolph Ziggler just stayed away from the world mm. title and kept being a really good, like, IC US guy, his career would look so much better in retrospect. That is a, that is a good point. Uh, just before we finish it, I would say double turn hurt him. They didn't yeah. do a double turn the match. Exactly. He's a natural heel. It. it just doesn't work as a face. So that is that is going to do. I think we've covered quite a lot. Thanks to the listeners who gave us so many ones to talk about. Thanks to Dave for your picks of Jinder and Dolph Ziggler. Mm -hmm. Thanks to Chris for your pick of Abyss and RVD. Thanks Scott for your picks of TNA's Mick Foley and Ring of Honor's Dalton Castle. I'm really really showing myself to be the indie mark of this group. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Quacku, for your Goldberg pick. My pick was uh, Goldberg 2016. Yeah, no, of course. I, I, I don't want the WCW marks. That's yeah. a that's a fun point though. WCW got a pass on this show. I think. I think. I think Arquette and Vince yeah. Russo. They're they're ones that are talked about a lot. I think we did right. well to go into newer ones. Plus, they're they're so bad. Yeah. <laughs> my. My pick was Chris Jericho, 2001-2002. That will not get a thank you off quite <laughs> <laughs> So as we finish up, just a reminder, you can follow us and join in this conversation. Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Suplex Retweet. Eat, sleep, Suplex Retweet community. Uh, find us on Facebook, join the group, join the discussion. Our brand new Patreon launching November 1st. So much is going to be on there, guys. You don't want to miss out. Uh, and of course, eat, sleep, Suplex Retweet.co.uk. <laughs> suplexretweet.com suplexretweet.com type in eat sleep suplexretweet and go it'll be there good recovery I know uh, next week we're going to be reviewing all things ICW with the fear and loathing review Alan's going to be hosting that the panel are going to be talking both days we're looking forward to that we're all going aren't we yes yeah. so if you're there give us a shout give us a hello wave to us buy us a drink <laughs> I'm Ross McLeod. Your <laughs> Gives your Patreon money and your drink money. <laughs> it's the same money. <laughs> it's gone one place. Out of the middle, man. <laughs> Not Stephen Wilson's hands. Not Stephen, no. No, we know where they've been. <laughs> oh. oh. 
<laughs> and on that note, I'm Ross McLeod. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. <laughs> Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of d- tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online. You should be subscribing. You should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, whatever the fuck you're doing, that's what you should be doing. I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions, get on it right now!